Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Hello and welcome to Baseball Barbacast, the only baseball podcast in the world that's willing to remind you that Joe Musgrove is from San Diego. I'm Jake Mintz. That's Jordan Schusterman. We're the Cespedes Family Barbecue. Jordan, he's from here. And wait, he plays for the team. Wait, what? Like, so he like grew up a fan and now he's on the Padres? That's yep. I, That doesn't seem real. I don't believe No, that. it's real. Wow, such courage uh, to share that with everybody. Uh, very excited to be joining you, Jake. Now, you 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 are able to give us that insight and expertise as you're coming to us from San Diego, California, where you will be covering uh, the Phillies and Padres. Game one tonight as we record this on Tuesday morning. We were hoping that we were going to be able to do both uh, LCS previews today. However, the rain did not cooperate in New York. Jake fled to sunny San Diego and cannot give us the Bronx weather report as he normally can. So I got here yesterday and a number of media people were like, why are you here? Wouldn't you rather be covering game five at Yankee Stadium than the workout day at Petco Park? And I said to them, it's it's called a weather report. <laughs> it's called reading. It's called reading the room. And also... Still probably rather San Diego. <laughs> yeah. So so uh yes, I think you I think you you made the right call there. Um and and yeah, so we we still will have game five, hopefully this afternoon, finally. That feels like the series has been going on for five weeks. Uh but the point is is that this episode is going to focus on the NLCS between the Phillies and the Padres. And let's start with the very obvious thing. So this is, we're going to break this into two parts. The first part before the break, we're going to talk about the baseball, strictly baseball, who's going to win this damn series. And then we're just going to talk about all the storylines and all the things we're thinking about that that kind of permeate throughout uh, this Phillies-Padres matchup. But I'll, let's start with the obvious. Uh, one of these teams is going to the World Series, and that is, is a very exciting and cool and weird thing uh, to imagine. And kind of jumping off of what I said on last episode about how exciting it is to watch the defending champion lose, to think about either of these teams in the World Series is so freaking cool. Not even just winning it, just in it is very, very fun to think about. It's very funny too, right? Because we you, you always gear up if there's an upset in the NL or ALCS. Like or leading into it, where it's like the one juggernaut and the underdog team. Like even last year, it was like the As- the Astros were the juggernaut, and like the Red Sox were like scrappy and fine, and they ended up losing. Right, so you end up with Astros in the World Series, and it's like okay, well we've seen this before, whatever. This is going to be something that we really can't imagine. 
I am so excited for it. It reminds me of the Royals Orioles ALCS from 2014, where it was like, mm-hmm. oh, wow, one of these teams is going to be in the World Series. <laughs> right. Because, of course, that was, you know, before the Royals, it was like, oh, shit, they're they're really <laughs> they're really legit. So, no, this, that that is probably uh, the best comp. Of course, um, good amount more star power here. I guess Manny Machado was involved in both. Um, but beyond that, uh, you know, it was uh, it's 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 it is it is a hell of a matchup. And I got to say, too, before we start getting into kind of breaking down, you know, who, who's going to win here, like. There's part of me that's like, man, I know it's been a long time for the Phillies, but think about for us growing up in D.C. what the Phillies were to us, right? We used to hate them. We used to because they were so good. They were so dominant. And it wasn't even because we were Nats fans. It was just because we were close enough to Philly to just be like, oh, God. And like, we didn't like Chase Utley. You know, we didn't like that. We were not excited to watch. Like, and, and we respected the pitching and whatever, but it was like, oh, God, the Phillies. And so there is part of me that now that we have all these people in the Phillies that we that we adore, it is it is a little bit strange. But I guess, you know, you grow up and you and you kind of get over those things. And now here I am wearing a Williamsport Crosscutters hat in support of all the Phillies who used to play in Williamsport. A running bit that we did on the show was we like and treat all 29 teams equally. Fuck the Phillies. <laughs> yes. Like that, that, that was how obnoxious they had become because they were so good for that fiber stretch, but they earned and I think it. We, yeah. we knew enough people in our lives. Cause when you're growing up in DC, like there are Philly people scattered throughout your middle school class. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. And they were annoying about it. And mm-hmm. we didn't have teams that were good. And it was like, Shut up about Shane Victorino in yep. English class, or I'm yep. gonna I'm gonna give you a, a noogie. You know what I and mean? And David Akers, right? I mean, it was oh. it was really just that. that it, was the wor- it was the worst of times, Jordan. But you're right; they <laughs> anyway. have earned our respect. They have. But now they've earned our respect. They went through some 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 low years, and now they've come out the other side with a bunch of players that we undeniably appreciate and love. Some of which, of course, we like personally. So that's the Phillies. Then you have the Padres, who uh, have also had their their fair share of lean years, and AJ Preller has built this bizarro mercenary juggernaut of a roster that took down the Dodgers and are now are you know one step away from finally getting to the place that AJ Preller has been making all these transactions to get to. So let's get to it, Jake. Let's start comparing these two these two squads. Uh, which which side would you like to start with? Let's start with the Philadelphia Phillies going around the infield. Behind the dish, JT Real Muto. Anything to say about JT Real Muto, Jordan? Well, it's the one defensive edge the Phillies have on the entire diamond, uh, and it is a big one. I mean, he is, he is, uh, sorry, he is still probably the best catcher in the world. I think he's kind of showed us that over the last couple months. And uh, yeah, he's he's amazing. And, and that inside the park home run was, was an iconic moment, even if it involved some uh, questionable outfield decisions. It was a super funky moment, yes. But he's like the only catcher in baseball who could have pulled it off, both to hit that ball where he hit the ball and run that fast around the bases. Dalton Varshow. It's a two-man club. (laughs) But but yes, it is is a short group. The idea of like Cal Raleigh, who is a very good catcher, Mm -hmm. doing that is inconceivable. Yes. Right? Of running that fast. And so it did make me appreciate Real Muto while he was – Doing his magical trip around the bases. All right, first base is Reese Hoskins, 
Reese Haskins, we talked about this in the last show. He is a buddy. We like him. We cannot cover him objectively. It is impossible. Uh, the one Reese Hoskins thing I will share quickly is that Reese's wife was at a wedding for her sister in Italy and missed the entire NLDS. <laughs> so she wasn't even watching the Bat Spike live or anything? She was not there. She was not in person because it's like it's her sister's wedding. Like she's got to go to her sister's wedding, right? But did the sister's wedding photo. have to be in Italy? I mean, I can't speak to that. <laughs> there's a photo of like the whole wedding party on these like very beautiful like Italian rustic steps watching the Phillies game on an iPhone at, in the middle of the night. I love that so much. Here's the thing that I'm thinking about for Reese for this series. If we zoom back to 2017 when the Phillies sucked ass and Reese came up and hit a million homers, first couple home runs. We're in San Diego in his fifth game. When he went on that tear in August of 2017, his first two homers, then he hit another one the next day, uh, we're in San Diego. And I just remember that super well because it was like, yeah. oh, hey, there's our friend in the big leagues. Oh, my God, he's hitting a home run every single day. Um, so uh, so that is another thing I'm, I'm thinking about is, is he will play game one uh, at Petco Park. So that's cool. Second base, Gene Segura, who was the longest, he had the most games played without a postseason appearance before the series began. And he has very much taken advantage of it. He was one of the best hitters for the Phillies in the last series. He went six for 13 with two doubles. He's scrappy at the bottom of the order. He's very emotive. He jumped over the railing when Reese hit the home run. And his shoulders go straight down. If you ever really look at Gene Segura, <laughs> look at the angle of his shoulders. It's very he, odd. He's a very strange, a strange shaped dude. But having him bat eighth is, is kind of shows the depth of this lineup. Um it's 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 awesome. And by the way, just bonus fun fact because I haven't tweeted this out. Uh, do you know who the new title holder is for most games played uh, as a position player without a postseason appearance? It's kind of a sad answer. <laughs> Semi related to 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 the Phillies, sort of. Semi related to the Phillies. I mean, so you're not someone who's on I'll the give you Phillies. five seconds. He was on the Phillies. Yeah, he, he was on the Phillies was for the longest time. He's still he's still active, but you know, hanging on to to a roster spot. Who? Michael Franco. I believe oh. is the guy with the most games among position players to not play in the postseason once. So there you go. Brutal. Anyway, go Phillies. <laughs> uh, sh shortstop, Bryson Stott, mm -hmm. young, goofball, love this guy. From mm -hmm. Vegas, Bryce Harper was like his babysitter. Not actually, but Bryce, I think it's he's, he's known Bryson he Stott's, mm -hmm. yeah, they've been f friends forever. Bryson Stott's mom, I think, was like, Harper's someone's cheerleading coach mm -hmm. in high school or something like that. Yeah, they, I love they that, have they have connections going way back. I love that he's literally named Bryson, and <laughs> it's Bryce's son and Bryce. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is extremely appropriate. And he's you know he didn't he had one huge hit of course in the DS, um, pretty cold otherwise. But uh, what a rookie season! I know the overall numbers don't look great, but he's been only getting better uh, in the second. And half. he's. It's very solid defensively for a team that you might not remember this, friends. Employed Didi Gregorius at shortstop for the majority of this season. Okay. He'll get a ring. And he was <laughs> he'll get a ring, and he was like the worst defensive shortstop ever. Uh third yeah, base. Was, Alec even Bond. worse, he was an even worse hitter than he was at defense, which is correct. <laughs> which is third, why he's not there anymore. Third base, Alec Bohm. He's so tall. Like he gets taller every time I see him. He's you know, like when you see a little kid and you're like, wow, you're taller. That's what I feel about Alec Bohm. Yeah. He's been he's super streaky. 
He doesn't really hit the ball in the air enough, but he hits for average. Usually, he just kind of needs to get rolling. Defensively, he's been better in the postseason. He was really good in the Cardinals series. Had one throwing error, I believe, against the Braves. All right, moving to the outfield. Left field, Kyle Schwarber. Colder than the underside of the walk-in freezer. I mean, this is, but this is how he, it's not like we're surprised, right? Schwarber, you look at Schwarber's whole season and he hit whatever, 46 home runs. It's just insane hot streaks and insane cold streaks. This is kind of how it works. And the fact that they're able to won, win the series in, in four games without him doing really a whole lot is, is pretty impressive because he's looking lost up there. Looking lost and still leading off. Uh, in center field is Wet King, Brandon Marsh, the wettest player this side of the, of the Mississippi. He's wetter than the Mississippi itself. Dealt to the Phillies at the deadline for their top-hitting prospect, Logan Ohapi. Marsh, you probably recognize him because he looks like he's been stranded on a desert island for the last 10 years. Uh, would it guess we see Matt Vierling get the start probably against a lefty like Blake Snell. But yes, Marsh is certainly the, the name to watch and obviously someone they've invested in pretty heavily here. In right field, Nick Castellanos, who was awful all year. And because his defense is big poo-poo, the, it was even worse, right? When Trent Grisham was awful, he can at least go get it in center. Yes. Nick Castellanos, the only place he could go get it uh, is the couch when he's in the outfield. <laughs> Although he made a great play, he works hard he to did. be a defender. He, he does. Did. That's that. the thing. There, there, there are some bad defenders who just suck and accept that they suck and don't try. And then there's bad defenders. The Phillies have a couple of them, right? Reese works his ass off, and he's just not very good at first base. That's just what happens, right? Same with Castellano. So that's anyway, kind of how but, I feel about me and speaking Spanish. Like <laughs> you I work your I've, ass off, still suck. At I've it. tried so many times. You know, I got a lifetime subscription to Rosetta Stone that I bought a couple <laughs> years ago. Okay, I took night classes in New York City. All right, I moved to the Dominican Republic for four months, and it's still no bueno, Jordan. That means not good. Uh, their designated hitter is Bryce Harper, who's Bryson Stott's dad. Uh, let's not even talk about Bryce Harper. You know the deal. Like, and we'll talk. We're going to talk about him more in relation to Machado later. So we'll save it. Great. Uh, That's the starting been, lineup for the amazing, Phillies. So we'll get to the pitching in a second. Let's hop on over to the San Diego father figures, Jordan, behind the dish, Austin Nola who, I don't know if you heard about this, his brother Aaron, mm -hmm. okay, is also a big leaguer. Wait, oh, can you imagine having two kids in the big leagues? I mean, that I is just... I can't imagine just, having <laughs> any kids. Doing anything, anywhere. <laughs> I, I don't have any children, let alone ones in the big leagues. Imagine uh, also, having kids. I can't. <laughs> I can't imagine having kids. Not right now. Not in this... No. San Diego hotel room when I have to cover the NLCS. Yeah, no shot. No shot. Okay, so yes, Austin Ola, Aaron Ola, we'll get to them later. Okay, who's at first base? First base, Brandon Drury, slash Josh Bell, not really, slash Will Myers. It is a bizarre group. It's been mostly Myers. Yeah. Mostly Myers, yeah. Mostly Myers. Drury's mostly been DHing because Bell has fallen off a ravine. Uh, the idea that Myers is just the first baseman for the San Diego Padres in the year of our Lord 2022 is so funny. This guy, oh. <laughs> he's so, so talented. Yeah. He just get maybe this is just his vibe. He just gives off this vibe that he just refuses to apply himself. You know what I mean? Like he just looks like the kid in high school who's super smart and like just read 
the book. But to me, like I, I, I agree with that. But to me, the 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 view of him, the scene of him buying shots, the whole bar, which has has been pointed out. Like the Padres, really, I'm not blaming them, right? They really celebrated the DS like they won the World Series, which I don't. We're gonna get to that. We're gonna get to that later. We'll get to that later. But for Will Myers in particular, it relates to the conversation we had in the last episode, which is that AJ Preller has spent since he signed him years trying to trade Eric Cosmer. And in the same way, he has also spent years trying to trade Will Myers. And Will Myers survived. And Will Myers is now playing. And now Will Myers gets to go to the NLCS and maybe the World Series with the Padres as the longest tenured Padre. So Amazing. he did it. He's, he's loving life. Second base is Jake Cronenworth, who represents the biggest L for the Tampa Bay Rays of like the last five years. Dealt to San Diego when he was on the cusp of the big leagues. And the Crone Zone is legit he is one of my favorite players in baseball because he's good at everything and exceptional at nothing except for defense at second base which is being an exceptional defender at second base you might not be an exceptional defender like in general that's a debate we can right have. right that's, that is an interesting philosophical discussion but it is true and and again it's not just that you know good teams give up good players all the time it's just that he is like the most raised guy ever and they were just like nah <laughs> So it's weird, but he's great. He he's incredibly fun to watch. And thing to know about him, he was a pitcher in college too. Mm -hmm. If he wanted to, he could probably throw like ninety five off the mound. Yes. Uh, at shortstop is Ha Sung Kim, who has had quite the postseason just from an entertainment perspective. This dude is electric to watch. Now, is he as electric as the man he replaced, Fernando Tatis Jr.? No. Uh, there are power plants with less electricity than Fernando. But ha Sung Kim is a worthy person to fill some of the most bizarre shoes I've ever seen. And the whole thing is great. Yeah. No, we, we love ha Sung Kim. Uh, he has been, I mean, I'm looking at his DS line, right? Three for 18 with seven strikeouts, but two doubles and, you know, great defense and everything. And runs the bases great. Like, he is just a super fun player. And yeah, I mean, there are a lot of teams that would have been in way worse situations uh, when you lose a guy like Fernando Tatis and, and Hassan Kim has been has been everything they could really ask for. Third base, Manny Machado. We'll talk about him later. <laughs> Left field, Jerickson Profar, who might tickle the mind and the memory of a longtime baseball nerd. I think in our life, in our fandom, Jordan, Profar represents something very important. Because this man was once the number one overall prospect in baseball. He was the Soto, the Tatis, the Acuna. This was the guy. Like, he was the dude, the can't-miss number one dude coming up with the Rangers. And for you and I, when we were in high school, he was – this is how I knew that you and I were going to be friends talking about baseball because you knew who Jerks and Profar was. Right? It was. That was it. That was the separator. I mean, it, the real copyright is Wander Franco if we're going just like play style, right? He was he was that before him. Makes his debut uh, in Cleveland at age 19. I remember that game super well. Homer's in his, I think his first at bat, or at least definitely first game. Um, and yeah, I mean, you know, we've kind of reflected on the fact that Bryce Harper just turned 30, uh, but Jerickson Profar is turning 30 in February. <laughs> that is like, as we watched him since he was literally in the Little League World Series, uh, that is uh, very strange. Um, and most notably for this team, uh, A.J. Preller's first love. <laughs> so there's a reason that he has kept him around as long uh, as possible. 
and he's, he's been, been good. good season. He's been, yeah, he's good been season. leading off. He's been particularly good in the postseason. Centerfield, Trent Grisham, awful hitting wise during the regular season, electrically good since in October. I believe he has three home runs so far in the postseason. His home run in Game Two against the Dodgers. Game, sorry, Game Three against the Dodgers was the difference. They won two to one. And my takeaway from watching him in person during the three games at City Field, he is so good in center defensively. Yeah. And he is so good in center in a way that doesn't translate on TV well because his jumps are unreal. And you don't mm-hmm. get to see that on TV. He gets to balls because his jumps are so good that other guys don't get to. And so he doesn't have to dive for them, mm-hmm. particularly when coming in on the baseball. Mm-hmm. He's elite, 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 elite. And so also like that. Wa- go ahead. I was just gonna say like while his <laughs> offense was bad this season, if you look at him, like he is still built. Like when you look at him, you remember why he is almost a. You can't call him a five tool because he's hitting one ninety three. But like there is offensive impact in that body when he is right. It's just when it's wrong, it's it's obviously a mess. But to see what he's been able to do and have these three huge homers. It's not just a Kevin Kiermaier in center, you know, like the fact that he can go get it and also have an offensive impact when he's right is that's why people thought he was going to be a superstar. It is why. And it's particularly cool for him because the single worst moment of his professional career, right, was the wild card game in 2019. He was with the Brewers. Soto hits that ball. It gets by him. It trickles away. The Nats win. That's about as bad of a flub as you can really have, right? Mm-hmm. In d- defensively in a postseason game. Every time for the last two months of the year that this guy looked to his left, <laughs> he saw the man semi responsible for the worst moment of his professional life, who we're going to talk about in a second, Juan Soto. And that would get to me. I'm sure as a professional baseball player, it does not get to Trent Grisham, but it would get to me and it would probably get to you. And I love that he has had this October redemption because before this year, if I said Trent Grisham to most casual fans, they would be like the guy who made the error on the Juan Soto play. And now it's the guy who won the wild card round for the Padres. And that's cool. Yeah, it's also, yeah. And, and that was such an interesting trade too with the Brewers. And so that's one that we've kind of already relitigated when Luis Arias was looking really good. But now it's like, oh, well, actually, you know, and Eric Lauer too. So, but. The point is, he's doing it for him now, and that is is what they need. Okay, uh, who's playing right field? What's this guy's name? Juan Soto. Juan yeah. Soto is on the Padres. That's it. DH, Josh Bell, slash Brandon Jury. Josh Bell came along with Juan Soto mm-hmm. in that deal, and they were like, oh, we'll take Josh Bell and, instead of Luke Voigt. Uh, <laughs> maybe you made the wrong I call mean, there. I mean, listen. If, if you're just going off of stance, Bell was arguably the second best hitter available from the first half. Like, that's just a fact. Sure. Uh, but, boy, he hasn't looked like it. Yeah, no, I agree. This he, this has happened with Bell before where he's incredible in the first half and falls off a cliff to the point that he's just not starting. He, I don't think he started two, three, or four of the NLDS. They went with Drury instead. That's pretty significant. You know, he can provide a lot of juice off the bench, but who knows. All right, Jordan, hey, he, let's move. He hit that home rough Scherzer, so. You know, which he, was he, he did give him that. That was pretty. They sick. did start the whole thing. That was the first moment in the first inning of game one of the first game. Um, pitching. Let's do the pitching matchups. Let's do it. All right. Game one, Wheeler Darvish. 
Darvish has been the best version of himself over the last couple months. I maintain a level of skepticism in regards to you, Darvish. <laughs> Are you okay? But do you have? I'm jumping ahead here. Do you have more faith in him or Snell? Oh, Darvish. Okay. I have Just more faith sure. in God than Snell. <laughs> Okay. Okay. Uh, why? Why are you skeptical of Darvish? He just gives up. He gives them up, man. Like he yeah. just gives them up. He gives up bombs, and if he does it with no one on base, it's fine. But the way that he pitched against the Dodgers, I know he only limited them to three, but he's just a high wire act to me. And I understand that he's been better this year, but we've seen him be so bad recently. He's had such a tumultuous last couple years. I believe he's a good pitcher, yeah. I just think he's a three to four earned runs over a start, not a zero to one. I think the Mets just did it themselves. I think the Mets really just <laughs> lost that game. Um, yeah. Um, he's not bad. I'm, I'm, I'm not saying he's bad. But yeah, I think I'm, kind he's, of, I'm kind of in between, and this is a good time to just flip it more to the Phillies, right? Because the matchups that we have, you know, we're talking about Nolan Wheeler, who have just been so good that we have so much confidence in them that we end up kind of feeling worse about Snell and Darvish just be in, in, in comparison. You know, so it's going to be Wheeler-Darvish. It's going to be Nola Snell. Ranger Suarez-Musgrove, that's probably where it tips more in San Diego's favor for sure. Uh, but I can, I, can see, I can see what you – when you're looking at them side by side, I, I can see why you might feel better about the Phillies guys. Wheeler-Nola – is automatic. Mm -hmm. Those dudes right now are automatic, especially mm -hmm. Nola. When Nola's locked in, ho, 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 ho. <laughs> he's, oh. he's, his delivery is so interesting. Like it feels sort of disjointed. Like it's not like he's clearly a good athlete, but it's 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 not as as silky smooth. Like there's some level of herky jerky, but I mean it's it's worked for him for ten years, so I'm not questioning it. But yeah, it's it's. It's he's he's been amazing, and I, I have more faith in him than Wheeler for sure. Because Wheeler too, you know, still hasn't fully all the way worked all the way back. Although I, at this point, you have to imagine he's a full go. It's not that he's looked limited, but still, you know, he hasn't been on a on a heater the way that Noel has. Yeah, I mean, he was great in game two when mm -hmm. they lost. They just lost. remember there was the Reese play, and then he yep. kind of lost in the six. Like Wheeler is a guy. He, there's a yeah. reason they paid him. And it's cool that he ended up here, him and Syndergaard are now just on the Phillies together, which is hilarious. Uh, game two, Nola <laughs> Snell. True. We just talked about Nola. We've talked a lot about Snell. He's just exhausting to watch. Love love your family the way he loves a 3-2 count and a fa fastball. Like non-competitive pitches in when he's ahead in the count. Just yeah. When I was it's in college, a big stress point from our coach was if you're up in the count, on the mound, one, two, oh, two, whatever, and you want to throw a ball, you want to think about moving the hands, right? The idea is that you're getting the hitter to do something, to react to the pitch, to think about swinging, and that changes their perception of whatever pitch is coming next. And there are a lot of times on an oh, two, one, two count where Blake Snell does not move the hands. <laughs> he just throws a ball, it's freaking nowhere. <laughs> and it doesn't do anything. Now his stuff that, is better than mine by a little bit. Yeah, oh yeah. So that allows it's better than than ninety nine percent of left handers on earth. Yes. And so that allows him to work with you know a bigger margin of error, but it doesn't make it fun to watch. Yeah, but 
he's still very good. Uh, now, game three, Musgrove, clear edge. Suarez <laughs> kind of got bailed out by um, the Phillies offense, of course, playing so well, but he can't be wonking five dudes again. That's not gonna. That's not gonna work in, in this round. So he's gonna have to clean that up. And look, he's had a good season. That we've seen Ranger Suarez be very good. Uh, it's not impossible, but I think that the edge is is clearly there for Musgrove. Although, uh, of course, you know that'll be back in in Philadelphia, and so that is you know it, it maybe maybe evens it out a little bit. Let's talk about Game Four. Wow, that's uh, cool because. Yeah. Musgrove is from San Diego and Ranger Suarez, <laughs> I think he's from Philly. <laughs> That's true. Right, exactly. You, you nailed it. Uh, game four is where things get interesting. Uh, <laughs> we don't know now. We don't, we don't even have the rosters yet as, as we're, as we're you know, recording this. But if you had to guess right now who is starting game four for both teams, what would you say? I would say Noah Syndergaard, Sean Mania. That would be yeah. my guess. I think so, too. Cle- Clevenger was just so non-competitive in his yeah. game, whatever, outing against the Dodgers. Like, game yeah. one, I guess. It was pointless, right? Yeah. It was pointless. And, and Mania at least will give you a little bit of bulk. Because, again, the, the overall numbers, you might think it's similar, but Mania, I've just seen have way better starts than basically anything Clevenger has done this season. So maybe they decide matchups-wise. Look, Kyle Gibson is still around there. If they want more length, depending on how taxed the bullpen is, I feel like it's more likely Gibson can give them five than Syndergaard. Um, but also Bailey Gibson. Bailey Falter and his bizarre uh, release point extension. Exactly, uh, right? If they want to go lefties But again. they gave Syndergaard the start in the clincher in game four of the DS, and he did it. Like, he did his job, yeah. and he delivered. He, yeah, he, so. you know, it was three innings, but he was he was fine. He was fine. It's true. Um, but, yeah, so so that's obviously going to be a, a pretty important important pivot point but the, the first two games is is where we're where we're paying attention we don't offer gambling advice here on mm-hmm. baseball barbercast but game four bet the over <laughs> yeah just do that right now that seems like pretty pretty safe especially in philly all right uh bullpens quickly and then we'll get to then we'll take a break and then we'll do our our, our storylines uh have to give the edge to san diego here this version of hater has been just completely I mean, this is one of the best versions of Hater we've seen, and that's really saying something. What Robert Suarez has been able to do has been eye-opening. Don't sleep on Luis Garcia, who's also throwing 100 miles an hour has been and has been amazing. You have guys like Steven Wilson and uh, Tim Hill for matchups. Pierce Johnson, Morahone, mm, not as much. But this is still a pretty strong group, especially at the back end right now. Now, the Philly bullpen showed up, and we were not able to laugh at them in the same way. However, if we're comparing them, I still feel way better about the Padres, like if we're drafting relievers, I think actually, yeah, if we, if we were drafting relievers, who would you take first of, of all the bullpen guys? Suarez and then Hader. Suarez and Hader. I see. I, I think Sir Anthony is is right there too. Uh, if we're if we're comparing both of them, but then I you're taking more of the Padres guys. Suarez can just give you a, like a little more length. I think mm-hmm. you know he could work too. Hader doesn't do that anymore. Um, the Phillies as a team. From 2019 through 2022, rank fifth in baseball league-wide in bullpen ERA. Now, that timeline is significant because that's Bryce Harper era. So they they trying to start compete in 2019. Over that span, they have the fifth worst bullpen ERA. I believe they are behind 
The Nats, who besides 2019 have been abysmal. The Orioles, who have been abysmal. I mean, even 2019, it was like two guys. Right. The Orioles bullpen, who before this year was horrible. The Pirates, who before this year are, are, have been horrible. Well, they've just the been time. bad. Yep. And the Rockies, who play on the moon. And then the Phillies, who have been trying to win the whole time. Their bullpen has been so bad. Not just meh, bad. And they've years. spent money on it, right? They spent, listen, it's not like this year has been perfect. They gave Jury's Familia a bunch of money. And he Correct. was terrible. You know, like they've had things not work for them too. The, le- that the fact that they have been competent, not dominant, competent in this postseason is a huge <laughs> win. Huge win. And they haven't had to pitch in the same type of situations as the Padres bullpen has because the Phillies offense has given enough of a buffer. They weren't dominant, right? Like they gave up a couple solo shots and it was more just bending, not breaking, holding on to bigger leads and not capitulating. And they did that for the most part, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Game one against the Braves, I think, was the one game where they really struggled and the Braves came back and Eflin held on for dear life and... But they've gotten the job done. Now, in a matchup, I would take the Padres bullpen over them. Yeah. Jose Alvarado still gives me Ajita, even though I know he's good. And then David I Robertson love Alvarado. is... I, 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 I'm mostly sold that he's... I still have more faith in him than... than just because stuff-wise, he's just so far ahead of, of Eflin yeah. and Brogdon and even Brad Hand and Bilotti. So, yeah. Alvarado is also having a great time. David Robertson is on this team, which is funny. He will be mm-hmm. back. He I will be back? Do we know he'll he, be back? He looked good yesterday. I, okay. I was there. I saw him running around, All right. sweating it out. Uh, he's, he heard his calf celebrating uh, the Bryce Harper home run in Philly, but I think he's going to be okay. Okay. Um, I I It looks like he'll be on the roster. Got it. Uh, okay. Those are – but again, you know, give the Padres the edge there. Uh, anything else just strictly baseball before we, we, we move on and take a quick break? Managers. Doesn't matter. Mm. I think both of these guys have been good managing their pens in October and mm-hmm. getting guys in the right spots. I do think that Schwarber Hoskins hitting one and two is a little silly right now because of how bad they've both been generally. That doesn't really matter a whole lot. And it's not like there's an obvious candidate. I Maybe you move Segura up there, right? But it's not the biggest deal in the world. Melvin is a good manager who turned... Uh, this circus into a real baseball team. Tactically, <laughs> he's been good, except for uh, letting Adrian Morahone out to dry in game two in City Field. Anything else on the managers? Uh, no, that is, I mean, yeah, Belvin will, it, it, it's a nice little contrast. No one knew. Rob Thompson had a great quote where he was like, yeah, I went to the Eagles game and no one knew who I was two months ago and now everybody knows who I am and that's weird. <laughs> it's like, yep, that's that is definitely how how managers work, uh, especially in contexts like these. All right, let's take a quick break and we'll be back with uh some more things we're thinking about in this NLCS. San Francisco, where's your disco? This is Scott Braun from Baseball Legends Lounge, a serious XM podcast downloaded today to hear our in-depth conversation with Giants legend Will Clark. And I turned and Chili Davis was on my left hand side. He was he was one of my veterans. And I go, Chili, he's gonna drill me next time up. He goes, Oh hell yeah. Download Baseball Legends Lounge right now on the SXM app, included with all of our trials and popular plans, or wherever you get your podcasts. Jake Mintz, Jordan Schusterman, back in your ears here. 
on Baseball Barbacast. Um, Jordan. What's up? We just broke down the baseball. And now we're going to break down the storylines because we love a good story. I watched a great movie yesterday. Shouts out to Marcel with the, the shell. Mar- Mar- Marcel the shell with shoes on. Great film. Jenny Slate paid for that ad. With shoes um, on. With shoes on. He had shoes <laughs> okay. on. I Thanks, don't. Jenny do you? Slate. Do you have shoes on? Not right now. No, I don't. Uh, let's talk about the storylines. There are many. There, are, The narratives are rich like a bone broth. And we're going to run through them all and begin at the top of the 2009 draft. 10. 10. 2010 draft. <laughs> 2010 draft with Bryce Harper and Manny Machado. And Christian Colon and Barrett Laux and Matt Harvey. Just kidding. Uh, Bryce Harper, number one. Manny Machado, number three. Jameson Tyon, number two. Doesn't seem like he's going to be starting this game anymore now that Nestor Cortez is ready. But the point is, is that Manny Machado and Bryce Harper have been linked for a long time. They were two of the best high school prospects anyone has ever seen. There have been a lot of best high school prospects anyone has ever seen. And a lot of them suck. A lot of them do not end up being very good, or a lot of them are fine, or a lot of them are really good and often injured. But Bryce Harper and Manny Machado have basically been everything you could possibly hope for in Major League Baseball players for almost the entire time. And that is an incredible achievement for both of them. Drafted by the Beltway, (laughs) the terrible Beltway squads, the Orioles and Nationals now, playing for the Phillies and Padres after signing $300 million contracts. And why did they sign them when these teams were not still good? Because one day, especially when they were, what, 27, right? When they signed these deals, 27, 28. Because they're in their primes. They're some of the best players on earth. And when you get to this moment and you need these dudes and and you need players that can show up and carry you for a postseason round, even in baseball, that can happen. That's why you do it. That's why I pay the big bucks, and it is so freaking cool to see them playing against each other. And again, back to our first point of this podcast, the fact that we're going to get to see Bryce Harper or Manny Machado in the World Series. I know we've seen Machado in the World Series under very different circumstances, but this is his team, and it is very cool that he has a chance to do it. Mike Trout has warped our understanding of what a hyped prospect is supposed to be. Mike Trout has been a generationally, bizarrely good baseball player the entire time. Machado and Harper, because they came up in the same general time, have the number one thing people would say about them is they're not as good as Trout, which is true. They have not (laughs) been as good as Trout. No one has ever been as good as Trout this level into a career basically yeah right unless sorry if like mel ott's grandkids are listening and saying i don't know you take a look at those numbers he was pretty close (laughs) but other than that you're right shouts out to the hot ott gang but generally harper and machado have just been exactly what they were supposed to be and they got a lot of criticism along the way people critiqued their style of play they said they were too flashy too energetic they couldn't lead a team. Why are they going to these random cities in free agency? It's a lot of money. Or they do they worth the money? Yeah. Yes, both of them are. And I think it's interesting to see them pick these places where they could kind of be the guy. Mm-hmm. Right? They could have gone to a team where there were a lot of other star players. And I know that Soto and Tatis kind of are now on the Padres. But they went to these places and they helped 
build these rosters in a way where, you know, in free agency, the Phillies could go to a guy and be like, hey, look, Bryce Harper's here. We're trying to do this. And also, right? once you get these guys, you don't. there's no turning back, right? It's like, oh, well, if we're going to be paying this dude $30 million a year for the next decade, we might as well try and win, <laughs> right? I mean, that's that's part of it too, but also, also your point. Also, just quickly, uh, comparing to Trout, right? Like, Trout came up so fast and was so good that there wasn't even hyper expectations. He just appeared and was the best player in the league. Whereas Bryce Harper and Machado, since they were 15, everyone's been telling them, hey, you're going to be one of the best baseball players in the world. And that's not easy. That's not an easy thing to deal with. And they've just done it. And sure, they've had some moments along the way where people have not liked them. But as far as we're concerned, I, there have been very few. Th- I, yeah, Manny's had his moments. But as far as we're concerned... It's been a pretty impressive uh, track record of just on-the-field excellence and to the point where it's just like, damn, they handled it and they've delivered. And and the fact that they're just now 30 and are still in their prime is amazing. And we're lucky that we've been able to watch them for so long and get to keep watching them. All right, let's talk about two other generational talents, Austin and Aaron Nola, who are from generally from Nola-ish, right? Are they from Louisiana? They are from Louisiana uh, and uh, from from Baton Rouge, so not quite not Nola, <laughs> not quite Nola, uh, but closer than than most other cities. And the look, baseball brothers in general is is an amazing thing. Major League brothers, of course, uh, but the contrast here is remarkable. For those who don't like, I, honestly, I'm realizing that the Austin Nola story has never really been told on this big of a stage. And maybe it was a little bit in in, in the 2020 postseason. I realized, um, but. Man, uh, this dude was a shortstop until like four years ago. He was a shortstop in college. He was never a big prospect, great defender, not that good of a hitter. And then he got to AAA with the Marlins and was like, how am I going to be able to stick around? How am I going to finally make the big leagues? My brother Aaron was a first-round pick. He's one of the best pitchers in baseball, but I am going to work my ass off. I'm going to be a big leaguer. He's like, I'm just going to start catching, which is an insane thing to do in AAA for the first time. And... To have the coaches and support to be like, yeah, you can do it, <laughs> right? So credit to the Marlins for letting him do that. He ends up with the Mariners. He They turn him into a great big leaguer. They trade him for a bunch of good players. With the Padres, he's been relatively disappointing for the haul that they gave up to him, but he has been excellent this postseason, both behind the plate and at the plate, most impressively, batting, you know, seventh, eighth, or ninth. And that's really changed the dynamic of this offense in a lot of these games. And, you know, I've seen it. You know, he was doing it with the Mariners for that little stretch there. He he can be a good hitter, even if the numbers haven't shown. But it's a really, it's a really, really fun matchup. And his development story is, is unlike many others. And I love the contrast between the two Nola brothers, right? You have Aaron, who at LSU is the stud Friday night pitcher who goes, I believe, seventh overall top prospect in the big leagues in a blink of an eye, frontlining a rotation before you know what's going on. Whereas Austin is grinding, forgettable. It's like, oh, that's Aaron Nola's brother the whole time. Shortstop. Oh, that's cute. He's in, Aaron Nola has a brother in AAA. And he just made himself into a big league catcher. And because of that, I don't know if Aaron Nola has ever pitched a bullpen to Austin Nola. I mean, probably in the offseason, right? Um, but it is a good it is a good question. It is not right. It's not like they were a battery at LSU. Uh, and I want to do some quick LSU trivia here in a second. But yeah, it, it is so cool. It is so cool. Uh, and, and just how Nola's become 
the player that he is and just how he's playing right now is, is just makes it all the better. And also there was a great quote from his mom, uh, from their mom. It was just like, it's not that they're playing together. It's that one of them's going to the world series, right? Everything we just said earlier. And that's, that's gotta be pretty surreal for them. So that's very cool. Uh, quickly, this was pointed out by Michael Bauman. Uh, they only overlapped for, I believe one season actually, because Austin's a little bit older. Uh, do you know the, what their season was that they, they last played together? And what happened then? Oh, yes. It would have been 2011. 2012. 2012, and it was when they lost to Stony Brook at home. When they lost to Stony Brook at home. Uh, other big leaguers on that team include Kevin Gaussman, of course. Duh. DJ LeMayhew? Not DJ LeMayhew. Uh, this is, I'm just talking 2012, so maybe 2011. But we got Jacoby Jones. He'll be, he'll be watching somewhere, I'm sure. Uh, Nick Goody. Nick Rumbelow. <laughs> oh yeah, Nick Rumble. And uh and Ryan Eads, who you probably don't remember. But there you go. A bunch of big leaders on that team. I'm sure Jacoby Jones will be cheering on the Nola Bros. All right. Other things Next to storyline in this series. Next storyline. Yeah. All right. Both of these teams acted like they won the World Series after mm-hmm. the NLDS. We talked about this a little bit. Mm-hmm. But it was amazing mm-hmm. because <laughs> if the Braves or Dodgers had won those series, they would not have gone as hard. And I mean hard in terms of like throwing back some alcoholic beverages and will myers going to bars in san diego and buying shots for everybody this is like what eric hosmer did after the royals won the world series and myers is doing this after they won a five-game set right which, which is amazing again, That's we're okay. not we're not making fun we're not making fun of them it's just that it is unusual like it's just not something we've really seen and so we love it but it is funny and now you have to win two more rounds and talking to guys in the phillies yesterday at the workout i was like you guys basically treated it like you won the World Series. And they were like, yeah, we, you, know, you really don't know. Like, you want to believe in your team, obviously, right? But you you take the moment as it comes and you feel how you feel in the moment and don't mm-hmm. hide your emotions. And, yeah. and the Phillies have been waiting for this for a long time. And they went all went out to, like, Xfinity Live or whatever mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. Philly. And they were, like, hanging out with everyone. It, it, it really does feel in some ways like this is all gravy now for both mm-hmm. of these teams. If either of these teams, they, they get swept, it's a good year. Yeah, right? and that goes that goes to the other thing that I'm really thinking about a lot is they're, if they're playing, if they're both playing with house money, <laughs> then who's playing more loose, whatever. But then it just goes back to how the series before went, which is that the Phillies, not that they didn't earn it, they played great baseball, right? They didn't have to sweat it out. They were not necessarily playing and winning close postseason games the way that the Padres proved that they did. Now, maybe the Phillies will just stay hot and, and blow them out four times and they won't, they'll just, just, nope, steamroll all the way. Maybe that'll happen. But as far as this is why I'm leaning San Diego here, it's just that they have been already put in situations where it's like, oh man, we got to sweat this out. We got to come back. We got to hang on to a close lead. Phillies haven't had to do that yet. And while I think that talent-wise, it's a pretty evenly matched matchup, as far as how they've gotten here and what they've been able to go through, this is why I kind of lead San Diego. But it'll be it'll be really interesting because yeah, you you if, if you can't, I, I guess you could both be playing without some money, but it does create an interesting dynamic. I also trust the Padres bullpen with a one-run lead way more than I trust the Phillies bullpen with a one-run lead, and I exactly. think that plays into the dynamic there as well. Mm-hmm. All right, Jordan. There is no off day between game five and game six of this series, which is funnier now because one of those games is in Philly and the other is in San Diego. 
Those are very hard cities to get between. There, I believe, are only three direct flights a day between those two cities. So most of the media won't get to uh, the press conferences for game six. It'll be very Yeah, there are definitely going to be people not getting to that game in time. Um, it's going to be a real test of who's got their best uh, travel points and, and pull with their respective airlines because be it is going to be quite the challenge to return. Now, maybe the series doesn't get back, right? possible to uh but in the scenario that it does uh go back to san diego for game six there is going to you will see some reporters tweeting about their travel and honestly possibly the team as well depending on you know weather in philadelphia very possible right so this is a very strange dynamic that is is uh is if we get to that point will very much be a discussion point and to be clear it is a lockout thing uh, because of the delay to the season, they're condensing it on the back end because they don't want it to like pour over into November too far. I don't really know. Why. It already is, <laughs> but but yes, they're not trying to go too deep into November, and so they've decided to both add some random off days and then eliminate some off days in these postseason rounds. So yeah, the, we will certainly talk about that if it gets that far in more detail uh, as the series progresses. Uh, anything else you're thinking about uh, for this for this series? Fernando Tatis Jr. Yeah, this is this is really the, the last thing we should mention. <laughs> if I told you, Jordan Schusterman, a year ago, that the San Diego father figures would be in the NLCS, you'd be like, wow, Tatis must have just had a day. Had a and year. <laughs> had a year. And he did have a year. He certainly had a year. A year was had by him. Fernando fell off a motorcycle and wanted to come back. And so he did some drugs and then he got popped. Then he lied about it. And now he's not here. That is what happened. His status within the Padres clubhouse is better than it was, but is still tenuous is mm-hmm. and somewhat fraught. He's not exactly the most beloved guy in there right now, understandably, because he was a dummy and jeopardized their season significantly. And i on the team feels like they've won without him and why do we need to talk about him? He's not on this team. Like he is when you think about a team, right? It's the people who have spent all year together. And then it changes a little bit every year. Every team is different. And Fernando Tatis Jr. is just not on this team. He hasn't been on this team. They don't think of him as being on the team. And I think that is a significant reason why his absence isn't as felt as obviously as you might expect because Kim has just been the shortstop for the 2022 San Diego Padres. Mm-hmm. They didn't, it's not like they had Tatis and then lost him. He has not been here. He has not been around, right? He has not been a presence. And so his absence speaks volumes, obviously, because the greater baseball world and sports world expected him to be here for this moment. Mm-hmm. And it's weird that he's not here. But I just want to emphasize that the energy, I think, around the team itself is more just like, okay, like, yeah, he's not here. He was yep. never here. Uh, and uh, Darnay Tripp, who's one of the great San Diego uh, reporters who we've we followed for a while, he, he tweeted out that Bob Melvin said that he texts with Fernando about every other day and said he's very supportive of the team during his postseason run. The real question is, like, where is he? They talked a lot about how he is going to spend most of it more in San Diego than in the Dominican, which, based on his track record, is probably for the best. Uh, he just had another surgery, a wrist surgery, 
to fully repair the motorcycle situation in addition to the shoulder surgery he had recently. So he's just going through a lot of rehab. Do we will we see him at the at at, the, at any of these games if they get to the World Series? I doubt it. Certainly not during the game. Uh, but it is a very interesting uh, dynamic. But to your point, he's not on the team. I don't think he's getting a ring if they win. I really don't. I really no. don't. He would be a distraction. Mm-hmm. I don't think he'll come. I think mm-hmm. he knows that he shouldn't be there. I think they would tell him, "Hey, don't come." I would imagine he's in the DR right now, and we'll just hop back to San Diego once the season is over. But it is yep. just a bizarre situation. The last Very thing strange. I want to bring up, Jordan, yes, is that this stadium, yes, Petco Park. Yes. It's named after a pet store. And we as a baseball community have overlooked that for too long. Okay? It, why don't we call this the dog house? <laughs> why don't we? It sounds sounds like we have time to make that a thing. I I that's a great that's a great point. Well, there's, you know, you get I will say as as a as a as a pet owner of a cat, I don't think I've ever been to Petco. I don't even know what the nearest Petco is to me in Indiana. It does it does exist, but it's it's one of those things too where it's like, wow, it's a pet store that's big enough to I don't own the naming rights to a major league baseball stadium. <laughs> so it's great, but it, it, it's great. I, I, you know, I love the alliteration and we're just used to it. It's like, yeah, Petco going out of Petco. Baseball's weird. All right, let's do our picks. Let's say goodbye. We've gone longer than we planned. Jake, who's going to win the, uh, 2022 national league championship series. And in how many games, who's going to the world series? Phillies in six. Phillies in six. I'm going to go Padres in six. And <laughs> goes back, man, going back to San Diego, that is just going to be, that is really going to be something. Uh, I'm very much looking forward to how the series turns out. We will hopefully be back with an ALCS preview pod in the next 24 hours or so. I know it'll be a little bit crammed, but so will the actual ALCS. So <laughs> we will deal with that when we get there. Uh, but until then, thank you for listening. You can email us at baseballbarbacast at gmail.com, B-A-R-B-Cast. Thank you to Chris Tyler for producing, as always. Any final words, Jake, from your San Diego hotel room? Thank you to all the people who emailed us letting us know who was going to start game three of the NLDS. From the future. We appreciate it. Okay, uh, email us who's starting game four. <laughs> Um, from the future. We'll probably pop before then, but just, just let us know. We'd really appreciate that. All right. Thanks. Talk to you soon. Bye. Serious XM Podcasts.